Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I am here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible as well as your prayer requests, and we have pastors standing by every day during this time, 4 to 5 p.m. every weekday, to take your calls, to answer your questions about the Bible, to tell you and help you understand how the Bible applies to the situations you're facing in your lives. And we're also here to pray for your prayer requests. And one of the things I love about this show is that we have so many people who tune in uh, from all over the United States and even abroad. And as you call in with a prayer request, all of these people are willing, are, are able and ready to say yes and amen and lift your prayer requests up to the Lord. So we would love to hear from you. Uh, maybe that question you have about the Bible, the thing you've always wondered about, or the thing you've been curious about recently, or maybe you're wondering what the Bible says about a particular situation in life or in culture. Uh, as you ask those questions, other people out there might be wondering about the same questions, but maybe um, you're the one who's brave enough to call in. So we want to hear from you. Give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 for the call-in line. The text line is 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897 for the text line. I want to welcome all of those of you who are listening here in Colorado and into Southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. Glad to have you with us today. You are listening live today, by the way. Today is October 29th. It is a Friday coming up this weekend on the end of the month, and uh, Reformation Day is going to fall on a Sunday this week or uh, this year, which I'm excited about. Um, just wrote an article for Reformation Day, and I'll share that a little bit more about that with you in a moment, but just want to continue greeting those of you who are tuning in Colorado and Southern Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to greet those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those on Truth FM in Tennessee and North Carolina and Kentucky, as well as more recently joined us many stations who are listening on the Freedom Radio Network, which is broadcasting in a lot of cities all over the United States, everywhere from Amarillo, Texas, all the way, uh, especially across the southern states, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, and many places in between. Welcome to the program. We're glad to have you with us. Just a heads up that those of you listening on our sister station, so Truth FM, Hope FM, the Freedom Radio Network, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. And so what that means for you is that we still want you to call in. We still want you to call in live with your prayer requests, with your Bible questions. But we just also want you to be aware that you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. And I personally think that that gives you a unique opportunity because the opportunity it gives you is that you get to call in, ask your question on the air, uh, have your prayer request prayed for, and then you get to turn around and tell other people, hey, I'm going to be on the radio at this time 
next week, you should tune in. And maybe that's a way that you can introduce them to the local radio station in your area. And maybe that becomes a preset. Maybe it becomes something that they start listening to. And God's word is going to do his work by God's spirit in their lives as they hear his word in their ears, affecting their hearts. So I really encourage you to do that. And wherever you're tuning in from, we'd love to hear from you. Again, the number to call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. A few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Friday and sometimes on other days as well. I was hosting this past Monday as well and got to talk to many people. We had a busy show on Monday. And so if you didn't get to, to get your question through on a previous day this week, give me a call and I'd love to talk with you and answer those questions. Uh, sometimes when we have a lot of calls, yeah, that's exciting, you know, because we get to talk to a lot of people. But Sometimes not everybody gets their questions answered. They can't always get through. Now here at the beginning of the show is always a good time to call in because uh, there's not as much traffic at the beginning. So the number to call once again, 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Uh, again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And Whitefields is a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in this great city of Longmont. And if you are in the Longmont area or within driving distance of Longmont, I would love to welcome you to join us, personally welcome you to join us at our church for worship this coming Sunday or another Sunday when you're available to come. Our church has three Sunday services, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. And we moved into our own building about a year ago. And we have a great location right on Highway 119, which is the main road which leads into Longmont from I-25 and down into Boulder. And so um, if you are coming off of I-25, we are just east of County Line Road on Highway 119, which is also known as Ken Pratt Boulevard. And we're just directly north of Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is our local sports complex here in Longmont. So if you're driving down 119, I'm looking at my window, just seeing hundreds, maybe thousands of people driving by uh, during this hour. Uh, make sure to look to your north as you um, get to where Sandstone Ranch Community Park is or where the Walmart is here on the east side of Longmont. And uh, make sure you take a look to the north. You'll see our sign. You can see us right from the road where we have a big sign that's visible from the highway. And uh, yeah, if you are in this area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. We're currently studying through the book of 1 Corinthians, which is how we like to study the Bible here um, in the Calvary Chapel family of churches. This tends to be the majority of how we study the Bible. And one of the benefits to it is that it, it causes you to not just pick out your favorite topics, but to actually study the Word and study through entire books of the Bible. So we've been studying through 1 Corinthians lately, and uh, in this study, man, it's just been so edifying and speaks so much to where we are at it, culturally and as people. So uh, this Sunday, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is about the gifts of the Spirit. And I can't wait to talk about that and share about that this Sunday. What are the different gifts? How do you know which gifts you have? What are the greater gifts? We're going to talk about all those things as we study this passage. So join us. 
if you are not within our within local our local area, if you're not within Longmont or maybe some of the surrounding communities like Lyons, Berthoud, Mead, uh, Frederick, Firestone, Decono, Erie, Lafayette, Boulder, Niwa, if you are um, not in that area or even further than that, but able to drive in, we'd love to have you join us still online. Uh, whitefieldschurch.com is our website. You can also find directions, past messages, all kinds of information about who we are and what we're about there. So again, that is whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM uh, at 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., as well as Sundays at 1 p.m. So every weekday, 9.30 and 2.30, Mountain Time, and Sundays at 1 o'clock p.m., Mountain Time. Well, with that, let's go to our first caller, Matt in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. Um, Two-part question, maybe uh, maybe a three-parter. Um, when we die and go to heaven, are we going to still remember our children and friends and family that we left behind on earth? Because I know it says there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow in heaven. But I know if I die today and go to heaven, I'm going to be missing my kids. Yeah. Yeah, good question. Um, you said it was a two-part question. Do you want to just start with that one? Yeah, start with that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, I do think that those in heaven are cognizant of what is happening on earth. And the reasons for that uh, come from the book of Revelation, where we see that those who are caught up into heaven in chapter 4, which I believe is a preview of the rapture. So John the Revelator got a preview of the rapture in Revelation chapter 4, where he says that he was caught up into heaven, and from heaven then he watches what transpires down on earth, which is called the Great Tribulation. And so during that time, we see that there are all these people in heaven, these souls of people in heaven, and they are intently watching the events that are taking place down on the earth. They seem to be very cognizant of what is going on on earth. Uh, another example of this is in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul mentions that angels... Now, again, let me clarify. I don't think that when we die, we become angels. However... Paul does say that angels are observing us, and therefore we should be cognizant of that. We should take caution because of that in the way that we conduct ourselves, especially in regard to authority. And so um, that's another example of how those who are in the heavenly realm are cognizant of and watching what is going on on earth. Here's, here's one last example. Hebrews chapter 1 I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 1, talks about how we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. Now, the first, cha the chapter right before that, I'm sorry, that was chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 11 is all about this, these people who have gone before us in the faith, who we might call the Old Testament saints, those who died in faith in, in the hope of the Messiah. And he talks about those people and how they all hoped for what has now come for us in Jesus. And then he says, because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. Well, what he's describing there is if you can imagine a stadium with people in the stands and those people are watching you run a race in the Olympic Games or in, the, in Paul's day, actually, in, in his writings, he was probably referring more to the Ith, uh, oh man, I can't even pronounce it. Um, it was another form of something similar to the... Um, to the Olympic Games, which was based in Corinth. But the point is that what the picture Paul's painting is, 
you're running a race in a competition and everybody in the stands is cheering for you. And those are the ones who have gone before you in the faith. So my point being, I do think that we are aware of that. And I do think that we remember um, people in heaven. Um, the last thing I'll say on this is what it says in Revelation, it says that every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. So I do think that when we arrive in heaven, there will be a, a tinge of sadness um, for many of us, right? There will be a moment, at least, of sadness as we enjoy the presence of the Lord. And yet, I think there will be regrets about things that we did in life. I think that there will be some uh, regrets about those who are not with us. And yet, those tears will be wiped away by the Father who loves us and comforts us. So, Matt, maybe... Um, I know you have a second part of your question, but uh, one thing I'd like to say is, before you go, let's pray for your kids. Sure. What was the second part of your question? Well, that was kind of, you kind of answered the second part of it with some other things you had mentioned, so we're good on that. This is more of, if I die now, because I love my children more than anything, yeah. and to leave them behind would be terrible. That would be the worst thing I could ever do. That would be the most painful ever. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure it would be hard for them as well. Well, yep. yeah, Matt, treasure those kids and that family you have, and let's pray for you and for them. Perfect. Okay. Lord, we, we hear Matt's heart, and we, we know that it resonates with your heart, Lord, that just as Matt loves his family, how much more do you love his family? How much more do you love him? And how much more do you love his kids than even he loves him? or he loves them. Lord, I pray for Matt. I pray that you would protect him, keep him in good health, give him many, many more years to spend with these children. And I pray that there would also be a sense of urgency with the way that he lives, knowing that life is fragile, knowing that tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Lord, I pray that he would take advantage of the day that he has today, every single day. And Lord, that he would use that to create a legacy a legacy of following Jesus, a legacy of seeking the Lord as a family, so that when that time comes, uh, if it does before your return, that Matt has to say goodbye to his children on this earth, but that they will have had uh, this incredible legacy that they will want to follow in his footsteps, that they'll want to follow uh, as he, as Matt followed you, Jesus. So I pray that you would help Matt to create that legacy, give him a sense of urgency, and I pray that the kids would be receptive to his love and the things he's trying to teach them about you. So Lord, we pray for his kids, that you keep them in good health as well. And Lord, we pray that you bless his family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Frank. Absolutely. Thanks you. for calling in, Matt. All right, bye-bye. All right, have a good day. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. With the end of that call, we have all open lines, so now's a perfect time for you to call in with your questions about the Bible, as well as your prayer requests. The number to call, 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897, that's 720-336-0897 for the call-in line. Well, let's go over to our text line. We have had a few texts come in, so we'll pray for those and uh, answer those questions. And then I'll tell you a little bit more about Reformation Day as we wait for more calls to come in. So our first text 
uh, that came in says this, I haven't seen my wife in nearly two and a half years. Um, could you please pray um, that, and help me to fight temptation? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for this uh, dear brother whose heart is hurting. He's wanting to be reconciled with his wife. Lord, we pray that that would happen. I, Lord, I pray that his wife, um, you would soften her heart and that the reconciliation he desires, Lord, that it would come to fruition. I pray that whatever's standing in the path of that, whatever is blocking that reconciliation from taking place, whether it's uh, past hurts, sins that need to be repented of or forgiven, Lord, whatever those things are, Lord, I pray that that would take place. Um, Lord, honoring you by the, by their actions. And Lord, I pray that you would rebuild this marriage, Lord, that you would restore it. And Lord, I pray that you would help our brother to stay pure and honor you with his body um, as he waits for your perfect timing and your will for his life. So Lord, we pray that. And I pray for others out there who might be listening who are also struggling with temptations. Lord, I pray that you would Give them the strength to stand up under it. I thank you for your promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that whenever we face a temptation, it isn't a temptation uh, which we must succumb to. Lord, you always provide us with a way out if we are willing to take it. And so, Lord, would you help us that we would be willing to take that, that way out, that way of escape when you provide it for us when we are tempted. Lord, we thank you that you are a high priest who can sympathize with us in our weakness because you were tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin. So Lord, may we lean on you for strength and may we look to you in those moments of temptation. And Lord, I pray for anybody else out there who has a broken relationship, uh, especially a broken marriage. Lord, I pray that you would do a work of healing and restoration. Lord, we know that you designed marriage to be a divine reflection of who you are and how you love. And so, Lord, we pray that you would restore these broken reflections uh, in marriage, and, Lord, that you would be glorified in all of our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for texting in. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. We've got all open lines right now, so it's a great time to call in. If you have a prayer request, something that's going on in your life that you need prayer for, give us a call. If you have a Bible question, we'd love to answer those questions for you. If you're curious what the Bible has to say about something that's going on in your life, love to answer those questions for you as well. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. And our text line, 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line, 720-336-0897. Well, let's go to our next text question. Someone says, good afternoon, Pastor. My question is, where in the Bible does it say that we must be baptized in order to take communion? My parents say that their their pastor will not let them take communion unless they are baptized. Well, I'll tell you this, it is, it's not actually in the Bible that you have to be baptized to take communion. The closest thing to that would be found in, um, let's see here, it would be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So let's go ahead and open up there and I'll show you the passage that, um, that this pastor is probably referring to, although I would say he's probably, 
I don't, I definitely don't think it's saying you have to be baptized in order to take communion. It is saying something important, and let's discuss what that is. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let me give you a little bit of the context. The Corinthian Christians were dishonoring God, and they were dishonoring each other in the way they were taking communion. Now, in their church back then, in the early church, uh, people didn't take communion necessarily in the same way that many of us do in our churches. So, for example, at our church, uh, the way we take communion, we take it every Sunday. We take it at the end of the service, after the sermon, as part of our—after um, our closing prayer, then we take communion together. That's our rhythm. We take it every week together. And how it works is when people enter the service, they receive a one of these plastic cups, right, that has the communion wafer in it, and, and it has the grape juice on the bottom. And, you know, they're super hard to open. If any of you are using these in your churches, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's hard to get that wafer part separated from the juice part. Um, but the reason we, we actually didn't used to use those, but we started using them since COVID just because they're more sanitary. And so we've been using those. Um, but, you know, in the early church, they didn't use, you know, prepackaged, uh, single-serving communion plastic cups, right? What they had was they would have like a big table that would have bread and wine set out. And oftentimes this was part of a, um, what was called a love feast. Here's what you need. It's almost like a potluck, but let me explain it a little bit more. The early Christian church, remember this, that for the first 200 plus years of Christianity, um, Christianity was what was called in the Roman empire an illicit religion. And an illicit religion meant that it was not registered legally. It was not legally recognized. However, by 300 AD, right, this is still 12 years before Constantine, in the year 300 AD, the majority of people in cities in the Roman Empire were Christians. And so what was happening in these Christian churches, these early Christian churches, remember Sunday was a work day. And so you would work on Sunday. It wasn't a state holiday like it is in our society because that's the influence of Christianity, right? So Sunday was a work day. And so uh, the way that Christians would worship, they would still worship on Sunday because that was the day when Jesus resurrected. And so here's what they would do. They would gather at sunrise, which is often, you know, we talk about sunrise services. That comes from the fact that early Christians, uh, the first Christians, you know, went to the tomb of Jesus at sunrise on the first resurrection Sunday. But the second part of it is like Christians knew that this is the day Jesus resurrected. So this is going to be the day when they worship Jesus. So they would gather on Sundays early in the morning at sunrise for singing and hearing a message from the scriptures. And then they would go to work and they would oftentimes work, you know, 12 hour days. And then after work, then they would regather for a meal, more Bible study, more singing and to take communion. And so what this meant was because a lot of these people have been at work all day, they would come and there would be a love feast set out. There would be a kind of potluck and people would bring food and contribute. And then at the end, or as part of the meal at some point, they would take the bread and they would take the cup and they would remember what Jesus did for them as he instituted in the gospels on the night when he was betrayed. Okay, so here's what was happening in Corinth is that some of those people were like, taking a whole bunch of bread and a whole bunch of wine, and they were kind of pigging out and gorging themselves and even getting drunk, Paul says, at this time and using the elements which were put there 
for communion. And Paul says, this is absolutely wrong. It is dishonoring to God and it is dishonoring to others, right? Because think about, you know, there are people coming here and this is their source of food is coming to this meal. They're poor and you're dishonoring the poor people by picking out on, on the communion table. And so that's why Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, verse 27, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the blood of the Lord. Um, then he says, 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment to himself. What he's saying there is, um, you know, if you eat and drink the cup of the Lord, right? If you take this sacrament that Jesus gave us, but you do it in an irreverent and unworthy manner, um, you are bringing God's corrective discipline into your life because God's not going to be okay with this. He's going to come and he's going to correct you and he's going to make sure you get on the right path, whether it hurts or not. And he says, therefore, he says, but look, if we are disciplined ourselves, then we won't be judged by the Lord. So what he's saying is get your act together or else God is going to have to help you get your act together. But he says there, you know, you need to discern the body. Now, here's what's interesting. What does that mean, discern the body? Does it mean discerning that the body and blood of Jesus are what we are remembering and taking? Possibly. But here's the other thing. In chapter 12, the very next chapter, when Paul talks about discerning the body, he is talking about the body of Christ. He calls us as Christians collectively as the church, the body of Christ. So it would seem that what Paul's saying here is if you take communion without discerning the others in the body of Christ, that you're doing this together with others, and it's an expression of unity in faith in Jesus, then you are bringing judgment upon yourself if you're doing it in a way that disrespects others and dishonors God. All that to say, that's the closest that the Bible comes to saying that you must be baptized to take communion, and it does not say that you must be baptized to take communion. So, some churches have their own rules. Many of these rules are rules that they have come up with in order to, you know, my guess is this church is coming at this from a, a positive sense in which they're saying, you know, we don't want people to eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Therefore, we won't let anybody take communion unless they're baptized. Here's another thing. Communion is for believers. Otherwise, what are you remembering? What are you celebrating? You're, you're celebrating remembering something that you haven't yet put your faith and trust in if you are not a believer and you're taking communion. The other part of that is every believer should be baptized because Jesus himself instructed us to be baptized. So for Jesus to be your Lord, Lord insists that he is the captain. He's the boss. He makes the rules and you follow him. And so I would say in a, in a backwards way, what this pastor is saying is kind of true. Baptism is for Christians and Christians should be baptized. However, to say that a person must be baptized and if they are not, they cannot take communion is going a step which I don't believe that the Bible says. So it's a very long answer, but I hope that you uh, got the answer to your question. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry that that's taking place, but understand probably this pastor's heart is in the right place. And um, I, would, I would encourage your parents in this way. I would say, look, if you do believe in Jesus, then get baptized and also take communion. Maybe that's not the right church for them to be in. I'm not sure. I would say pray about that. Um, 
I do, I do believe the pastor is saying something that's going beyond the Bible, but I do think that there is a principle there that reflects truth. So God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Hey, we have come up right up to our one minute or two minute break, mid-show break. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. We have one caller on the line. We'll get to Phil and Aurora right after the two minute break. But if there's any of you out there who have questions about the Bible, if you have prayer requests, we want to hear from you. This is the show where we answer those questions and pray for those prayer requests. So give us a call. 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven, and we will be right back in two minutes' time with Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd love a biblical perspective on, to you know what the Bible has to say about that topic or that situation that you find yourself in. We'd love to answer those questions for you, and we would love to pray for your prayer requests. So if you have something going on in your life that you need prayer for, give us a call. We have lots of people listening in who would be happy to pray along with us and who would say yes and amen as we lift your prayer request up to the Lord. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Let's go to our next caller. We have Phil in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Phil. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um, my question was about First uh, Peter three nineteen, um, where it talks about uh, Jesus preached to the spirits in prison, and um, and I was wondering uh, basically what what he preached. Um, if it was um, what I understand is that he was preaching to the righteous side of Sheol, and I was wondering if he proclaimed himself, since maybe they had because they hadn't heard about Jesus or, or what? Yeah, great question. And I think you're on the right track, but I actually don't think he preached to the righteous in Sheol. Uh, I do think he preached to actually the unrighteous in Sheol, and I'll tell you why. But let me just, uh, little, for the rest of our listeners, just a quick background. You know, the question, it says in First Peter 3.19 that Jesus preached to, quote, the spirits in prison. And what does that mean? Well, let's read the context a little bit more closely. Here's what it says, starting in verse 18. This is 1 Peter chapter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Okay, so 
Here's a few things we know from that verse. It says that Jesus, in the Spirit, went to proclaim to the spirits in prison who formerly disobeyed in the time of Noah. Okay, so we know that Noah was a righteous man, but the people in his day were exceedingly wicked, and that is why God decided to destroy the earth. So these weren't righteous people that he's talking about. These were unrighteous people. They were ungodly people. And so these people were not in Abraham's bosom. Now let me explain what Abraham's bosom is just very briefly. In the Old Testament, we read about a thing called Sheol. Sheol is the dwelling place of the dead. And the dwelling place of the dead, we learn in Luke chapter 16, Sheol was divided into two sections. The one section was a place of comfort as people awaited the coming of the Messiah to redeem them from their sins. These are people like we read about in Hebrews chapter 11 who died in faith in the Messiah. So those people are waiting in Abraham's bosom, which is part of Sheol. Then there is another part of Sheol, which is divided by a great chasm from Abraham's bosom. That's called Hades or hell. Hades just being the Greek word for hell. And those people are waiting in a place, it says in Luke 16, of torment as they await the final judgment, which will happen, in, we read about in Revelation, where the lake of fire, uh, the hell and Hades is emptied into the lake of fire. So, we know this from other passages in the Bible, like Ephesians chapter 4, that during the time when Jesus was in the grave, his body in the grave, we're told here in 1 Peter that Jesus' spirit went to Sheol. Now, in Sheol, we kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. Ephesians 4 tells us what he did for those who were in Abraham's bosom, and that is that he basically unlocked Abraham's bosom and led those captives in his train up to God's immediate presence. So he led them out of there because he had now redeemed them. From the, and he had been the Savior they were waiting for. And then, to those who were in Sheol, apparently, it says here in 1 Peter 3, Jesus went and proclaimed something. He preached to them. And what did he preach? Uh, well, just taking the whole theology of the Bible into account here, what he preached was a message of not salvation, right? It wasn't that if they believed, now they could be saved but rather it was the message to say, I have come. It was essentially announcing to them what he had done and announcing to them their condemnation. So for some people, the work of Jesus on the cross, right, the message of the gospel, for some it is the message of life unto life, Paul says, and to others it's the message of death unto death. right? And so um, that is what he proclaimed, it seems, would be it was essentially the nail in the coffin, which said, you, you know, you mocked, Noah during his time, and now I have come, and and this is it. Okay, so would it be just those? Is it all all people that were did not um, believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or is it uh, just the people like during the flood that? Yeah, well, it specifically in? it specifically says that he preached to those who were there because of the flood, which is, I think, very interesting. You know, I can't uh, speculate too much beyond what the text says, but it is interesting that it, it picks out these people in particular. It doesn't pick out, for example, 
the people who were in Sodom and Gomorrah. It doesn't pick out the people who, um, you know, were part of the Assyrians who were judged or anybody else who, who took place in history. It picks out this one group of people. So it is possible that it's that he only proclaimed to them, and there was some reason why he only proclaimed to them. It could be possible that they these people are just representative of other people in general who were in Hell and Hades, but I don't really know because the text doesn't say. Okay. All right, I think that answers it. So it's basically just proclaiming his, the, his victory and what their, their fate was going to be. Yes. Okay, well, cool. thank you very much. Absolutely. God bless you, Phil. All Bye. right, bye-bye. Hey, this is Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts here on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. Love to hear from you if you have uh, questions. We'd love to answer them. If you have prayer requests, we'd love to pray for you. 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Looks like we had a caller who called in asking if I know of any churches near Hot Springs, Arkansas. I don't, but maybe one of our other listeners uh, knows a good church they can recommend. I don't actually know very many locations in Arkansas. But I do have a good friend who pastors in Rogers, Arkansas. So if you are in or around Rogers, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas, um, check out Calvary Chapel of the Ozarks. Uh, it's led by a friend of mine named Jeremy, who used to be a missionary in Hungary, where I was also a missionary at that time. Uh, Jeremy Foster, and he's a, he's a good pastor and a very good Bible teacher. So if you're in the Rogers, Arkansas area, I would recommend Calvary Chapel of the Ozarks. Uh, our next caller was Yvonne from Colorado. She would like prayer for herself and her family um, who have been having health issues. She was uh, not able to come on the air, um, but she's driving, so she didn't want to text, so she called in her prayer request. So let's pray for Yvonne and her family. Lord God, we lift up Yvonne to you, and Lord, just her family members struggling with health issues. Lord, we know that these are a result of the fall, the fall of sin which has caused curse to come upon this land and this earth and, and all of us. And so, Lord, we pray for Yvonne. We pray blessing upon her, Lord, particularly in the area of health. Lord, we pray for healing for herself and her family members. Lord, we pray for comfort that you would be with them. And Lord, that they would recover quickly and they would recover well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Yvonne. Thanks for calling in with that prayer request. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Pastor Nick Cady here from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Our next caller, Judy in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Judy. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. What can I do for oh, you? hello. Hi. Oh, okay. Hi. I'm just driving as well. Okay. Hi, Pastor Nick. Um, um, I have a question, and... and Sorry about that. Um, I have a question. Um, it usually comes up in our Bible study. Is the we debate is the Bible geared for Christians, meaning people who have given their um, life to Jesus and um, it, um, acknowledge Him as their Savior, or is the Bible also geared towards 
um, unbelievers. Can an unbeliever pick up the Bible and read and still get the promises as well? Mm. Yeah, great question. Um, I'm going to change your I'm going to answer a slightly different question because here, here's why. You, you ask, can a believer read and still get the promises as well? Oh, well, an unbeliever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm is sorry. The, is an the Bible written towards an unbeliever and a believer alike? Or does a person have to be born again and acknowledge Jesus as their Savior? It always comes up in our. Yeah. It always comes up as our. Sure. It always Let, comes up in our Bible study. Yeah. Let me answer it like this. The Bible is for everybody. So everybody should read the Bible, whether you're a believer or not a believer. But the, the Bible speaks differently to a person who is a believer and a person who is an unbeliever. Yes. So the, the promises of God do not belong equally to those who are believers and unbelievers. The promises of God in Christ belong to those who are in Christ, meaning they have put their faith, their trust, their reliance in Jesus Christ. And that is not the case for a person who is not a believer. However, the Bible does have a lot to say to those who are not believers. So it's a book for everybody, right? It has things to say to those who are not believers. And I would encourage everybody to read the Bible and part of the reason is because it says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, that faith comes by hearing and yeah. hearing the word of God. So I want people to hear the word of God because it plants the seeds of faith in their hearts, right? The seeds of the gospel, and it helps build faith in them for them to hear what God is like and to hear the promises of God. So... I want everybody to read the Bible. I want them to hear it. And you know what else? There's a, there's an interesting book that came out recently. It's called Expository Apologetics. It was written by Vody Bachman. And his big premise in the book is that um, the Bible actually answers many of the big life questions that people are asking, meaning people who don't yet believe in Jesus, right? They're asking what's wrong with the world? You know, what is the solution? They're also asking, you know, how do I know that God exists? Why is there evil in the world if God is loving? These are questions that the Bible answers for people who are not believers with the hope that they will believe. In fact, the gospel of John at the end of it, in the 20th chapter, John says, I have written all of these things so that you will believe, right? So who's his audience? Well, is he writing for Christians? Kind of, because they still yeah. need to believe. Um, but is he writing for people who are not Christians? Yes. Right? But the, the message of the Bible and the promises of God, they, um, well, let's start with this. The promises of God apply to believers, not to unbelievers. And yet yeah. God has a lot to say to those who don't yet believe. Yeah. And then always um, someone brings up um, um, in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit helps you to understand the deeper things. Mm -hmm. As far as like the Beatitudes and things like that, like some could see through the parables that Jesus was speaking only because mm. um, the Holy Spirit helps you to see that. If, only if it's revealed to you, yes. like when Peter. So how does that come into play as far as the answer mm -hmm. as well? On top yeah, of what you said. Yeah. Sorry. And I know there's many more callers. Oh. No, you're fine. 
Uh, I'll tell you this. I actually wrote my master's thesis on this question you're asking about. Did you know that? And uh, oh, well, so I did not know that. That's if any, awesome. If anybody's interested in more information mm -hmm. about that, I've I've kind of summarized my master's thesis into like a 35-minute podcast that I did on my podcast. So if oh, you're wow. interested in in hearing that, uh, I would encourage you to check that out. Uh, my podcast is called Theology for the People. And you'll notice it because it has my name on it as well. So Theology for the People. Uh, just Google that, um, Theology for the People podcast, and it'll come up. And there's an episode in there called The Perspicuity of Scripture, which simply means clarity. Perspicuity means clarity. Kind of like how you'd say somebody's conspicuous. Well, perspicuous just means clear. Okay, so the question you're asking really gets to one of what we call epistemology, which is how do we know what we know? And when it comes to spiritual things, this is a question of spiritual epistemology. And the big question is, and, and really theologians have debated this since at least the 700s, but actually probably prior to that. And the question is, can you know things about God if you don't yet believe in God? Or is believing in God, believing in Jesus, a prerequisite for having spiritual knowledge? And the answer is uh, a little bit of both. It depends on the situation. You've quoted some very good verses there, and I would add to those. 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2 talks about how it is by the Spirit of God that we can know things about God, and without the Spirit of God, we can't know things about God. And so here's, here's what it means that the Scriptures are clear, on the other hand. It means that God has written, given, inspired, He has inspired the Scriptures in such a way that somebody can read the Bible and they may not understand everything. In fact, they probably won't understand everything. And yet, they can understand enough to understand the core message of what God wants them to know, which is that God exists, that God loves them, that they are sinful and they have fallen short of God's glory and therefore they deserve judgment. And yet, Jesus Christ because of God's love, has come and died for them. And if they put their trust in him and their reliance by faith in him, then they will be saved by God's grace. There's enough to know that. That much, at minimum, is perspicuous. It is clear, even for the person who doesn't have faith. Now, once you have faith, it's like unlocking even more, right? The Holy Spirit comes into you and the Holy Spirit gives you understanding, like you said, of the deep things of God, of spiritual truth. Martin Luther referred to this as the theology of the cross. And what he said is that the theology of the cross, it is through the cross that we can know who God is and what is God's heart towards us. But also he said it is through faith in Jesus that we come to actually really know and grow in the knowledge of God. That's because it's through faith in Jesus that we receive the Holy Spirit within us. And so the answer is, can an unbeliever read the Bible and understand? The answer is yes, but not everything, right? But enough for them to understand the main message of the scriptures, which is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Well, I also argue that not until the Bible is preached to every four corners of the world, then judgment, you know what I mean? Then judgment will happen, I think. That's well, then, yeah, what, what you're referring to is a, a passage um, where Jesus says, when the gospel is preached 
to all nations, then the end will come. So even if you hear it and you still don't accept, yeah. Well, that, I think that's referring to the, the second coming of Christ. So I, I would just say, I'm not sure that verse applies here, but uh, that verse particularly is re- referring to the second coming of Jesus coming at the uh, proclamation of the gospel to all nations. But hey, yeah. good. Those are yeah, super good and thoughtful questions. Thank you. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just encourage anybody out there if you want to know a little bit more about this, what we're talking about here is what's called spiritual epistemology. And like I said, I have a, a podcast about it, which kind of makes it really clear and understandable. And that is, um, you can go to Theology for the People, just Google Theology for the People podcast or look it up in your podcast app. And then look for the episode called Perspicuity of Scripture. Is the Bible clear? So, um, yeah, Judy, thanks for the great question. God bless you. Yeah, and God bless you too, Pastor Dick. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show. Let's go to Tony in Castle Rock, Colorado. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Hi, Nick. It's Tawny. Tawny. Hi, Tawny. How are you? Doing great. Good. Um, so my question today is um, with uh, Halloween right around the corner. First of all, I wanted to tell you I really appreciated that you referred to it as um, Reformation yeah. Day. <laughs> What's that? Reformation Day. Reformation Day. Yeah, the the word just kind of threw out of my head, but yes, because that's what we should be celebrating, right? Is the Reformation and not Halloween. Um, I was just curious as to what your perspective is on churches that do these trunk or treats, um, which is basically the same as trick or treat. You're just doing it out of the backs of people's cars and under a, a more safe environment. But when do you think that churches do that because the pastors and leadership are unaware of the the meaning behind wearing masks and and costumes and um, giving out treats? Um, the do you think it's out of ignorance? Do you think it's um, because churches just ignore that? Um, I'm just really concerned about the fact that we're aligning ourselves with the high holy day of the enemy and um, making it okay. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that you can, I think that you can use the cultural moment without celebrating the thing which is being celebrated or, or at least which was celebrated at one time by some people. Okay. So let's put it this way. I wouldn't encourage anybody to celebrate Halloween. But I would say this is a cultural moment in which people are going out and they're going somewhere, right? They're going to go door to door. They're going to go to some other event. And I, I do have some respect for a church that does one of two things, uh, encourages their people to engage in their neighborhoods on Halloween and encourages maybe they do something at their church. Now, personally, we don't. Um, because I think we just steer clear of this. This is not a Christian holiday and we're a Christian right. church, right? So it's right. kind of like, this is not our deal. So we don't, but on the other hand, I don't judge people who do if they mm-hmm. do it from the right motive. And I think that there's a missional motive that is really good. 
Like, so for example, I'll tell you this. Here's something that my family has done the last few years is that we know this is the one day when we can go knock on all of our neighbor's doors and they will answer the door and they're, they're ready for it. So we, we often go, we meet our neighbors and we uh, give them an invitation to our church. We try to engage them in conversation and get to know them, tell them, hey, we live in that house right there. And then we also set out coffee in front of our house in our driveway because we want to um, tell our neighbors that, hey, we, we love you and we, we want to bless you. So rather than you know, go in our basement and turn the lights out, we want to mm-hmm. we lean into this cultural moment and engage it. And so I think you can do that without conflating or even getting involved in any way in any celebration of evil, right? And so, you know, uh, I heard one person put it this way, and I thought it was, you know, a bit pithy, but um, I thought there was something in it that was, that was worth note. They said, um, if Jesus can go down into Sheol and look death and the devil in the face and arise victorious, then in him you can open the door to uh, the five-year-old in the Superman costume and his freezing mom on October 31st and engage them for Christ. And I thought, man, I think there's something to that. Mm. And and, um, so I would say this, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Right. we, We can take this moment and how about we own it? How about we take what the enemy meant for evil and we use it for good and for the gospel? So I respect those who are saying, hey, if some people are going to go somewhere. By the way, I got a notification earlier this week that of all these trunk or treat events going on in Longmont, and guess mm-hmm. what? None of them were at a church. And now you might look at that and say, oh, good, those churches aren't engaging in this activity. To mm-hmm. me, it was a bit troublesome because it means that people are going somewhere. Now, on the one hand, if you do this at your church, probably a whole bunch of people are going to show up. They're going to show up for candy, and they're not necessarily going to come to your church or believe in Jesus. But it might give them an opportunity to meet somebody, you know, who's a Christian. And, and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's going to be a prayer going on. There, there might be an invitation to the church. I don't know, but I would say I do appreciate those who lean into the, these cultural moments without celebrating evil, but saying, I'm going to take this opportunity uh, for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there is an opportunity for evangelism here. So that, that's my take. I, don't, I would never right. encourage anybody to celebrate Halloween, but I would encourage them, you know, if this is uh, what God's put on your heart, then you should use this cultural moment. Conversely, to someone like you who says, you know, I have a conviction that this is just, this is not good. And so I don't want to participate in it. I would tell you that you should go with that conviction and do that as unto the Lord. And I believe it's actually pleasing to God for you to go with your conviction. Right. And and we remember based on 1 Corinthians chapters 8, 9, and 10, as well as Romans chapters 14 and 15, that it is good and right for you to do that, but to remember not to look down on those who don't share that same conviction and right. we're still not participating in that thing. Right. Yeah, I think the thing that bothers me about it is a statement that Anton LaVey made years ago about uh, just delighting in the fact that, that parents dress their kids up and, and celebrate, you know, their high holy day. Um, and I just feel like for Christian families to do it, it blurs the line, and it, you know, it makes it harder to 
to differentiate where the evil starts and where the innocent ends. Um, and so I guess that's why it bothers me to, to see churches doing this, because it just feels like it blurs the line and, and it makes the next step okay. Mm. And so I guess maybe, you know, in this case I'm being rather black and white, um, and I know that there are a lot of, you know, areas in Christianity that aren't that black and white. But in this case, I guess I just feel like it is more black and white because, you know, there's so many other things we could be doing. We could be celebrating Reformation Day. We could be, you know, like we used to take our kids and go find fall because we lived in Southern California where you didn't have fall unless you went up into the mountains and found it. And, And I just feel like there's so many positive things that we can do to focus on the Lord and there's 364 other days of the year when we can, you know, be witnessing to our neighbors and we can be sharing Christ, you know, to, to just look at the day that the, the enemy celebrates as the, the most uh, evil day of the year as sure. the day to do that just feels like it blurs the line to me. Yeah, and I get it, and I think it's really similar to what we read about in the Bible on the issue of meat sacrifice to idols. Very similar arguments. I, right. I, again, so I, I would encourage you to go with your conviction. Uh, I want to say this because we've run up to the end of our show. Okay. I, I wrote an article. It's on, on calvarychapel.com. Just went live today. It's about Martin Luther and Reformation Day, what happened and why it matters. So check out calvarychapel.com for that article. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. Check us out online and join us in person this Sunday at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And I hope to see you this Sunday. God bless you. I'll be with you again next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.